But in this book of Malachi, there are some wonderful, wonderful truths of promises that God sets forth. Now, the background of the book of Malachi is pretty much like the days in which that we're living in. They were days of great sin. They were days of great rebellion. In fact, Malachi being the last book of the Old Testament, uh, right after Malachi closes his prophecy, there follows 400 years of prophetic silence. A lot of people don't realize from the last book of the old or the first book of the new, there are 400 years of prophetic silence. And I've said this before, and I want to say this again. Not only should we be concerned about what God says and when God speaks, but I have learned that the silences of God are just as important as the utterances of God. What God says should make us respond with fear and trembling. But I'll tell you something that ought to make us tremble more than what God says. It's when God is silent. And when God is not speaking. I believe the worst judgment somebody could ever come under is when God gives them over to a reprobate mind. And their conscience is seared with a hot iron. And God no longer even draws them or speaks to them by His Holy Spirit. You say, are there people like that, Brother Joe, in this world? There are people like that sitting in this room this morning. You have heard God's voice so many times and turned Him away. You're dull of hearing. And I want to tell you, that's a dangerous place to be when God just says, I'm backing off. I'm withdrawing my light, my presence. And I really believe America as a whole has rejected so much light and truth. And someone says, how in the world do people believe the things they believe in this crazy world? I believe that one of the judgments of God on a nation is apostasy. And God withdraws the light and lets them live in their own philosophy. The book of Judges said everybody did that was right in their own eye. But it also says, but they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And can you imagine a world, 400 years of silence from heaven, spiritual silence, spiritual darkness. And if you read the book of Malachi, it is not hard to figure out what brings a spiritual eclipse in the life of a nation, a family, a church, or an individual. But what I love about the Bible, what I love about the Word of God, God not only diagnoses the problem, but He also prescribes an antidote. And along with that prescription, along with that how to fix it, God puts two conditions on it. The blessing if it's obeyed, but the curse if it's disobeyed. And I'm glad through every one of the prophecies, especially a book like Malachi, 
No matter how dark it got, no matter how rough it got, no matter how immoral it got, God was always shining a light, reminding the faithful remnant, if you will believe me, if you will fear me, if you will trust me, even in the midst of hardships, I'm still the Lord. I changed not. And he is still able to work in a dark day. In fact, the name Malachi means God's messenger. And he's not only God's messenger, but he's God's messenger for a dark day. You say, how does that fit in with the New Testament church? Well, we got a message. And we are God's messengers for a dark day. Sin, the world, apostasy, all of that vacillates and changes. But the message of light and the message of hope and the message of victory and the message that God is still able to do exceeding and abundant above all that we ask or think, that never changes. In fact, he says in the book of Malachi, right smack down in the middle of it, I'm the Lord and I change not. And there's a little phrase at the end of that statement. I'm the Lord and I change not. Therefore ye are not consumed. God said the only reason why you're still surviving in a world of sin and unbelief is because I am still God and besides me there is none else. The world thinks they're in charge and political leaders thinks they're in charge. And sometimes even the devil is bold enough to think he is in charge. But I'm glad God is still on the throne. And God still has a message of light, hope, victory, even in a dark day. And I want you to come to chapter number four, the last chapter of the last book of the New Testament, Old Testament. And I want you to come to verse number two. There are two what I call treasures in this verse. There are two treasures in this verse. Two things that the world needed to know about then more than ever. In the midst of darkness, decay, defilement, destruction, apostasy, in the midst of a world that's about to be enveloped and engulfed in darkness, the light is about to go out, and it did go out for 400 years. But right in the midst of all of that, God mentions two wonderful treasures in verse number 2. Two wonderful things they needed then more than ever, and we need today more than ever. In the midst of sin and darkness, God introduces two wonderful treasures. And they're not only wonderful treasures, but they are two antidotes for a world of sin and darkness. Now think about this. In a world of sin and wrong, in a world of darkness... What could be two wonderful treasures that we would need that God would talk about? 
Look in verse number 2 of chapter number 4. But unto you that fear my name. Now this is not my text, but you could make a good one right here. No matter how dark it got in any book of the Bible, there was always a faithful few. God always had a remnant. It may have got down to one in their day. Noah, Enoch. But I'm telling you, God's always had a little group of people that feared my name. I would love to run a reference on that in the book of Malachi. He calls it those that spake of me, those that feared my name. And God said, I like them so much, I got a book out, a special book out called a book of remembrance. And I wrote their name in my book of remembrance. God said, every time they feared me, loved me, and praised me, I chalked it up in my book. Hallelujah. You say, what has that got to do with us? There's still some of us left that believe him, worship him, serve him, trust him, praise him, and adore him. But unto you that fear my name. Watch it. Shall the son of, underscore this word, said out loud with me, righteousness. In a world of sin and rebellion and wickedness, how we need righteousness. In fact, the only antidote for sin and wickedness is righteousness. I thought it was amazing that in one of the most cursed times in God's Bible, that light is going out and sin is on the rampage and rebellion seems to be the norm of the day. God says, let me tell you about righteousness. And I believe in our day of sin, what a treasure, righteousness. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of, sit with me, righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. So he deals with the treasure of righteousness. You say, well, what is the other treasure that the world needs so bad? Well, remember in a world of sin and darkness, what could be great in a world of sin? Righteousness. Well, let me ask you this. What could be so great in a world of darkness? If righteousness is the antidote to sin, what is the antidote to darkness? What? If righteousness is the opposite of of sin and rebellion, what could be the opposite of darkness? Light. If a world is lost and groping and trapped in darkness, what do they need the most? Light. Well, he not only deals with the treasure of righteousness, but in verse 2, he deals with the treasure of light. You say, where do you see light? In verse number 2, look at it. But unto you that fear my name shall the, there it is, son. 
And you can't think about the sun without thinking about light. Even on a cloudy day, we still got light. And in a world of darkness, what could be better than light? In a world of sin and iniquity, what could be better than righteousness? And these two treasures tell me something this morning. In a world filled with darkness, only light can make it right. And in a world of sin and ungodliness, only righteousness can make it right. Now, let me ask you this. If the world needs light so bad, and if the world needs righteousness so bad, where are we going to get it? Where are we going to find it? Can we get us a bunch of political leaders together and say, y'all have a summit and see if you guys can come up with something we need so bad, light and righteousness. Brother, they'll meet till the cows come home and they won't come up with it. We could call some scientists and some inventors and people that start companies and say, here, Here is your chance to get on the ground floor to manufacture and make something that the world needs. My business friends tell me all the time the way to be successful in business, have something somebody needs or convince them they need it. Ladies, you really don't need it. They've just convinced you on television that you need it. And all of God's men shout there, please. But they say the greatest way to make money is convince people they need something and make it, manufacture it. All right? Our world needs light because of darkness. Our world needs some righteousness because of sin. So let's get us a meeting together, get some factories, come up with some blueprints, and let's manufacture, package, and sell some light and righteousness. I hope you're not going to invest your 401k in that company. Because it ain't going to happen. Well, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's have some religious forums. And let's have some educational forums. If the world needs light so bad, and if the world needs righteousness so bad, man, let's have some religiously. Let's have some politically. Let's have some morally. But can I remind you what the world needs so bad? Light and righteousness cannot be earned. It cannot be manufactured. It cannot be merited. It cannot be deserved. And it cannot be bought. It cannot be brought into existence by religious or political or money. Brother, where are we going to get what the world needs so bad? Light and righteousness. It only comes from one source. Mm. In chapter 4 and verse number 2, right before the light goes out, the prophet said, hey, somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. And he's going to bring what the world needs so bad in darkness, light. And he's going to bring what the world needs so bad in sin, righteousness. And notice one other word in verse number 2. That's going to come when the light comes and when the righteousness comes. 
When the antidote for darkness comes and the antidote for sin comes, notice what it brings. Verse 2. Unto you that fear my name shall the Son, that's light, Son of righteousness, that's righteousness, shall arise with, underline this word, healing. Healing. You know what the world has been searching for since the Garden of Eden? Healing. Because way back in Eden's garden, Satan broke everything man dreamed. You go to the Garden of Eden and there is one word that's wrote over top of it. Brokenness. Man's relationship with God was severed and broken when he ate of that tree. When they questioned and doubted and disobeyed the word of God, man's relationship with God was broken. And it was so broken that Adam and Eve hid themselves behind their fig leaves and they were running and they were afraid of the voice of God because man's relationship with God was broken. The first family was broken. The first son born to mankind was a murderer. And the first death in the Bible of a human being is a son being murdered by his own brother. And this brokenness is so hard, this brokenness is so strong, that man is cast out of the garden. He is thrust away from the presence of God. And I promise you that day when Adam and Eve wept at the grave of Abel, who was murdered by his brothers Cain, from that day forward to this, there's been a river. I'll take that back. There's been an ocean. I take that back. There has been rivers, lakes, ponds, streams, and oceans of tears that have flowed out of that brokenness. And ladies and gentlemen, what the world has needed since Eden's garden is somebody to fix the brokenness. Somebody that can fix the brokenness. But ladies and gentlemen, the only thing that can fix what darkness has broken is light. And the only thing that can fix what sin and despair and disobedience have broken is righteousness. So therefore, man cannot heal himself. Man cannot fix himself. Man cannot merit. He cannot earn. He cannot make. He cannot buy what the world needs so bad for its healing, the fixing of its brokenness. But God said, somebody's coming. And he's going to have the light to dispel the darkness. He will have the righteousness to dispel the ungodliness. And when that light meets that righteousness, there's only one thing that can come from that healing. 
healing. The only thing that can come when the light and the righteousness meet together, the results of that is healing. Adam tried it sowing the fig leaves. And Cain tried it by bringing the offerings from the ground. And from Genesis to Malachi, man, look at all of the rivers of blood. Look at all the rivers of sacrifice. Look at all the religious ceremonies. But seemingly nobody can fix the darkness. Nobody can fix the sin. Nobody can fix the rebellion. Nobody can bring the healing. Nobody can mend that which is broken. Oh, but one day in a little manger in Bethlehem, after 400 years of silence, a star, a light, came out on dress display and stuck its finger over a little manger and said, that's him, that's him, that's him, the light of the world, and Jesus is his name. Glory. And if that wasn't enough, 30 years later, by the babbling waters of Jordan, God rolled back the heavens and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And for three years, for three and a half years, a test, a test, a trial came upon that light and that righteousness. Okay, if he's the one that's going to fix the darkness by being light, and if he's the one that's going to fix the sin by being righteousness, let's just see how much light he's got. Let's just see how much righteousness he's got. Let's see if he's the real thing or not. Guess what? He passed the test. He was so much light that a man couldn't stay blind in his presence. He was so much light on his transfiguration that he was the only light that was shining. And he was so righteous. He was so perfect. He was so complete. He was so holy that even lost, diabolical, wicked, bloodthirsty sinners cried at his trial, I find no fault in him. So they said, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll put him to death like we put everybody else to death. And the light will be snuffed. And we'll put him to death like everybody's been put to death. And he will die and the righteousness will die. And he'll be corrupted by the worms of corruption. Like everybody that's been since Adam and Eve and their boys died in the Garden of Eden. And they nailed him to a cross. And sure enough, in the middle of the day, the light goes out. And the the righteousness does breathe its last breath. But the light didn't stay out. And the righteousness didn't stay dead. For three days later, up from the grave he arose. For the sun came up in the morning, and Jesus said, I'm he that liveth, and I was dead, and I am alive forevermore. For he is the light, and he is the righteousness of God. Woo! Hallelujah. And what the world needed so bad was light and darkness, and it came through the person of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. 
You say, Brother Joe, was this a prophecy concerning the first coming of Christ? Partly. Partly. You say, Brother Joe, you've told us before that the Old Testament predicted the first coming of Jesus. It does and it did. But God showed them prophets more than his first coming. God showed those prophets more than his first coming. God showed his prophets more than his first coming. You say, did Isaiah see the first coming? He saw it all. He saw that first coming where he said, a virgin shall conceive. And shall bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel, which be, means God with us. Yeah, he saw that and it happened and it did. And we celebrate it this time of year, every year that Emmanuel came, the virgin conceived and the prophecy was right. But remember, Isaiah saw more than a virgin shall conceive. Isaiah saw more than he shall grow up before us like a tender plant. Isaiah saw more than he'll be despised and rejected of men. Isaiah saw more than he'll be wounded for our transgression and bruised for our iniquity. Isaiah saw more than he'll make his grave with the rich and the wicked. Isaiah saw more when he said, And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, and the government, the world, will rest on his shoulders and he will rule and reign. That ain't happened yet. That's not happened yet. The virgin's conceived. He's grown up before us like a tender plant. He has been wounded. We have, we are healed by his stripes. Yes, he has borne the iniquitous of us all. Yes, he has made his grave with the wicked and the rich. But ladies and gentlemen, crowning him king of kings and lord of lords and the government of the world resting upon his shoulders, that's not happened yet. But it will. But it will. But it will. And the person in the name of Jesus Christ that the world despises and lampoons and curses and blasphemes. One day every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. And he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. That will happen next. So therefore the premise is yes, the Old Testament does predict the first coming of our Savior. But God showed them prophets more than that. He showed them his second appearance. And I believe chapter 4 and verse number 2, even though it reaches to the manger, even though it reaches to the life of Christ, even though it reaches to salvation provided through Calvary, Ladies and gentlemen, I can remind you for a lost sinner in a world of darkness, headed to the outer darkness, his only hope is salvation through the light of the gospel and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And a man who is powered and engulfed by the chains of sin, his only hope is to be set free through the righteous blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, it does reach to the birth, and yes, it does reach to his death. You're not in darkness spiritually because of Calvary. And you're not still in your sin because of Calvary. 
But this verse reaches far beyond the manger. And it reaches far beyond Calvary. Because can I ask you, is the world still in darkness? Is the world still in the lap of iniquity? You say, well, Brother Joe, evidently that first coming didn't work. It did for everybody who trusted him. You say, well, Brother Joe, the whole world is still in darkness. Not the whole world, I'm not yet. You say, but brother, the whole world is under the grasp of sin. Really? I'm saved. I'm in the light. And every time the world says, well, what Jesus came to do, he must not accomplish it. You point to everybody that lifts their hand and says, I'm saved by the grace of God, washed in the blood of Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, heaven bound with the hammer down for those who trusted him. It did work. Oh, but this verse. It's going beyond what he did the first time. Because this verse says, when the light and the righteousness, the only thing it's going to bring is healing. Healing. You remember in Exodus 15 when Moses put the uh, tree into the bitter waters, the Bible said they were made sweet. And God said, my name is Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that... Healeth thee. You remember when first, second, second Chronicles chapter 7, when God said, Solomon, when my people turn away from me, go up to that temple that you dedicated. And if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked way, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Isaiah, you let everybody know he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And by his stripes we are healed. And by the way, John, before you close out the book of the Revelation, you tell them in heaven there's a tree that bears 12 manner of fruits and the leaves of that tree is for the healing of the nations. In other words, what the world has been looking for, what the world has been trying to find is healing. Somebody that can cure the sickness forever and cure the sin forever and cure the hurt forever and mend the broken forever. Well, according to this verse, somebody is coming with light to dispel the darkness. Somebody's coming with righteousness to dispel the sin. And when this one that's coming has the light and has the righteousness, and they come together in power and great glory, what will follow will be permanent healing for everybody from every place, from everywhere. And there will be no more darkness and no more brokenness because the sun has come up in the morning. So whatever is wrong in this whole world, God's going to fix it. When he comes, because the light and the righteousness and the only thing it can bring is healing. In closing this morning, can you imagine how much hurt since Eden's garden? Can you imagine how much brokenness Since Eden's garden. 
Can you imagine how many rivers and lakes and oceans and reservoirs of tears that have flown since Eden's garden? I believe that's why the Bible said the whole earth groans and trembles. I was reading the other day where they had to evacuate a whole town in Iceland because the activities. They felt like the whole place is about to blow up. And they're trying to get people to a place of safety. And one scientist made this statement. He said, it, it seems the whole earth is trembling. Something's about to happen. I'm going to tell you what it is. The whole earth is groaning to be delivered from the curse of darkness and the curse of sin. And ladies and gentlemen, it's about to take place. Jesus, the light of the world and the righteousness of God is about to come. And every tear, every brokenness, every hurt, for he is going to arise with healing in his wings. You say, Brother Joe, what a strange analogy to attach to the sun, wings. I thought a chicken or a turkey had wings. They do. But wings, does the sun have wings? Well, you got to understand what that word wings means in the text. You ready? It means the veil. It literally means the flowing of the garments of a bride. It literally means a train of glory that goes up the throne where a king sits. It is the afterglow of radiant light. You stand there and try to look at that sun square right down and it'll blind you. And look how far away we're from it. But this morning when the sun got up, its rays, its glow, its skirt, its trail, its garments flowed over this earth and brought us light, brought us life, brought us warmth. Mm-hmm. When Jesus walked down the shores of the Galilee and through the narrow streets of Jerusalem, one little woman was so broken, she said, Oh, I don't want to shake his hand. I don't want to kiss his feet. I don't want to hug his neck. I just want to get up there where them garments, them wings, his afterglow can just come upon me. And my God, she just touched the hem of his garments and immediately she was made whole. Isaiah said, I looked upon that throne, and yeah, and he was sitting upon it. But his wings, his garments, his train, his afterglow, his glory not only filled the temple, but he looked around and said, the whole earth is full of its glory. Ladies and gentlemen, when this man named Jesus comes again, there'll be so much virtue and power and majesty and sovereignty and unleashed power in his rays, in his glory, in his garments, in his robe, in his afterglow, darkness and sin will be dispelled forever. 
And that's why the psalmist said, I'm like a little bird that's gotten under the sheltering wing, veil, robe, garments. And I want to tell you, he's about to spread his garments over this world one more time. He's going to fix that, which is wrong, with light and righteousness. And today, if you have a burden, a trouble, a trial, a need, you've never been born again, you've never been saved, I want to tell you something. He's the hope for darkness. He's the only hope for darkness. He's the only hope for sin. He has come and paid a price. And everyone that trusts it is delivered from it now. Oh, but thank God for those of us who already have experienced his light and his salvation. We are anticipating that second return. Well, not only will be saved but we'll be saved from this world of sin and brokenness. Let's stand together, Lord Jesus. We'd...